Hello and welcome to the SDC Fit Learning Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Ben Scott. I'll be joined by Jason Galea. Thanks for joining us on our way to create 1 million positive outcomes for personal training clients by 2030. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, a page created to upskill and educate PTs and gym nerds. Also brought to you by at STC Fit, and that's a place for all your online and in-person personal training needs. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please give us a share and tag on the Instawebs. You can tag at STC Fit, at STC Fit Learning, at Ben Scott SC, and at Jason Galea PC. Hope you enjoy the show. Instrumental fades out. What's up, Jason? My whiteboard's about to fall on me. So. Oh no. That's <laughs> a great start to the podcast. <laughs> I wish it had a, a bit better. No catastrophic event where my whiteboard was about to fall on me. <laughs> what a start. Yeah, very good. <laughs> I'm very well, um, How are you? I'm good. So feedback has been not allowed to lead back in your seat today because you have been fading on the volumes. So we have to sit up and pay attention. Uh, can I just like no relaxing allowed? Hold my. Can I just hold my mic? It's, it's so loud now. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to uh, need get some chair. booms. I need a comfy chair. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a, a boom too. Um, so then I can like bang on the table and shit. What's that? Uh, it's gone away now. Oh. I have to have Facebook open, so I have your graphic. So that was a Facebook notification. That's what that was. Yeah. Right. Welcome to the most organized podcast on the interwebs, the STC Fit Learning Podcast. For the, the regular listeners, they know what's up. They know yeah. what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> yes. I literally just saw um, this organization. Lizzie from Flex on one of the like Facebook groups just tagged us as like a recommended podcast. I'm just imagining that person just copped a recommendation to come listen to us. And it's like, oh, these dudes have got whiteboards falling on them and shit. <laughs> they don't know where to put their microphones. <laughs> <laughs> oh well well my chair's just so uncomfortable to sit in for so long well i think i just did something no we're good we're good uh, okay sorry yeah. i touched something so i'm scared now <laughs> it's fading paranoid yeah uh, I, i'm moving in fear now no we're fine it's all good have you recovered from the weekend yeah just just yep. yeah that was a that was a very long day yeah so six... the longest day i've done i reckon 6.30 arrival, I think I walked in the door at 9 p.m. Mm. Um, very large day, but it was fucking awesome. I don't know about yeah. you, but I had oh, the best time. Worth it. Do it again 100% of the time. Yeah, like, yeah definitely. Uh, fantastic uh, day. So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, APU Melbourne Open was uh, on on the weekend, so powerlifting competition. We had 15 lifters across the STC Fit team, uh, I think I had six, Jace had four-ish, um, and a couple of our other guys had clients as well. So we walked away with uh, our junior, for, for the juniors, it was a state meet to qualify for nationals. So our junior did that and actually put in an open um, interna- uh, an open national level total, which is pretty cool, mm-hmm. even though she was a junior. Um, Dad actually said like, oh, you'll get to see like, what the women that have been lifting for quite a while 
um, total and she beat all of them. (laughs) (laughs) He was like hoping to maybe just like humble her just a little bit. Um, But yeah, (laughs) yeah, she had total all of them. Uh, And then yeah, all, all 14 of our open lifters will move on to States. And I think we had one lift for the entire day, which wasn't either an equal or comp PB. Um, which is pretty cool. Like it, it's a, it's an easier stat when a lot of them were newbies. Yeah. Um, but still very impressive across the group. I think we went 125 from 135 attempts. So only 10 misses all day, um, which for me, for that many newbies um, is, is really, really cool. So I think we, get, we had the right game plan. We're going in. Yeah. Um, and we just stuck to it the whole day. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, we, you and I continuously mentioned how we didn't really kind of look at any uh, anyone else's uh, weights and whatever. So every time someone was going out lifting, it was just kind of the focus was on them and hitting their attempts that we kind of preset. And yeah, we were a little bit flexible with them if we, we, we were still committed to most of those loads that we selected for them. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like we executed well and, you know, I think mo- out of those 10 that we might have missed or 14 that we missed, a lot of them were calls on the day as well, like mm. not, you know, actual lifts that they couldn't get the weight up. Was, yeah, which is to be expected for waiting new, new for people. the rack call. Yeah, one of my girls asked me as she was walking out to the platform, what are the calls? I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. not they doing them in training. Yeah, but they would have just been nervous. Yeah, it's like, just a mind fight, I think. Like, with the weight being real heavy it's like the first thing i want to do is get this thing the fuck off me so yeah i'm gonna do that real quick yeah, yeah. get this away some of them some of the calls were faster than others and yeah so it was just like you just have to adapt that was probably um a good lesson for when we move on to the next stage now so like yeah you just have to be able to adapt to the situation the people the environment uh which the guys did well anyway yeah and that's it's sport right like if you're um if they're paying a rule early on, like you just have to adapt. There's no, you can't sit there and be like, oh, that, yeah, that um, there's a couple, a few people I kind of heard that were like, oh, that's, that's bullshit. That judge, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, no. Like he, the judge was consistent. So if that's all you can ask for, it's more when they're different, where if it's consistent, it's like you have to just adapt um to to that and it's the same for everybody then it's not like it's a different rule for a different lift out it's like that's just the way um that in judge interpret that judge interprets the rules and that's what you have to follow um there's no point kind of saying oh the, or the judge was wrong because at the end of the day he's the one pushing the button for the white light so yeah, if you're not his getting call, it his, his is the call that matters yeah that's right so um i think that's just part of any sport being able to adapt to that but yeah, culture of the group was great. Um, I feel like everyone left with a positive taste of what STC fits about um, at the meet, which was very high on the important list for us. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone that's come kind of representing uh, us and representing the brand definitely have to just act in accordance with our values. Yeah. And everyone did. Yeah. Thanks which probably exceeded and probably added to the culture now, which is. <coughs> Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So next step will be States. It'll be interesting. I've just finished all the feedback videos for all the guys. Yeah. Um, it's a couple of them. I've kind of just chipped out. Like you can, you can win that if you feel like it. 
sort of thing, or <laughs> you need to do this if you want to place it, uh, move up in the placings at States. Like we never really discussed that for the open. It was just like getting qualify and we'll turn it up for States. So it's building another layer, getting a little bit competitive with it for the ones that are in positions that they can. Yep. Um, be interesting to see the responses. And to be honest, a few were the other way. It was just like um, a couple that were neurotic in prep that were really chilled on the day. It's just like, just keep that feeling. Just stay chilled, train chilled, just be focused, do the basics really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, it was good to, um, it was good for people to see and understand just like how things come together. Like we talk about a lot. But just see the like, or they've already kind of gone through the prep and experience, like the highs and lows, and then come out on the other side and like understand like the day's not a reflection of, not a total reflection of just like one given minute within a session. Yeah. It's literally that combination or an accumulation of all of the work that's yeah. done on that and that leads up to that day. So I'm probably more like more excited, like I'm always excited, but more excited now that these guys have gone through a prep. Uh, they understand like, you know, they've gone through a peak, they've gone through a meet. They kind of know what the standard is now and what to expect. So we can mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, we just raise that bar just a tiny bit now. Like you and yeah. I can, you know, it's like, this is the new bar that we want you guys to reach. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm fucking real, real excited to, to see these guys meet that and exceed it. Yeah. For the ones that have never done anything like this before, um, being able to zoom the lens out now, and um, I think it was Nat actually just posted like a comparison, the same yeah. weight in the last week of prep compared to on the day. And it's like, now you get it. It's like accumulated fatigue is a fucking thing. Um, and for us as like programming, it's like, yeah, we probably overstretched you a little bit and we'll adjust that next time. But mm. understanding that feeling really tired two weeks out doesn't mean you're not going to hit your lifts come the day. Yeah. Uh, that strength should still be there. So yeah, it was cool for them to see that. And hopefully like what we talked about in the last episode, just that analogy of like, if this is a game or a match that it lasts the length of the prep yeah. um, and each, each session is a play rather than um, only focusing on one little individual moment, you have the sum of those plays is going to be the outcome. Yeah. So yeah, it was really cool. I had a really good day. Obviously, shout out to PTC South Melbourne who hosted the event, um, Rocky and Andrew, for the amount of competitors, uh, people that were there. Unfortunately, they didn't quite have their new facility open. Um, poor Andrew fell off a, or jumped off <laughs> a scissor lift and hurt his ankle. So they were two weeks behind on schedule. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they ran a really good meet, particularly with the size and stuff that they had. So um, well done to them. All the judges, refs, everyone was super friendly, even in like the, the weigh-ins and the checks and all that sort of stuff. Our new guys, I don't think, um, I think they felt really comfortable. Um, everyone was really relaxed and kind of just went, it was still official, but went through the process really well, um, which was nice to have so, when you have so many new people. Crowd was awesome. Atmosphere was awesome. Um, your first time at a big meet like that. Yeah. Did very well, Jason. Yeah. I was really lapping it up, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. It was good. That was good. Yeah. I was, I was excited. I was just, you know, taking in any, every minute, you know, I like, I actually quite enjoyed it to be honest. That's good. Yeah. 
um, I, I, I don't know what I expected. I'm glad because I'm not going to be able to do it by myself. <laughs> oh, man. How big of a day is that when you got that many lifters, eh? Um, yeah. But the, yeah, like, I don't know if I had, I don't know like what I expected the day to be like, but it was good. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I'm not sure if I touched something, but you just got really loud. Oh, really? Could have been me. It's okay. We're good. Oh, man, not that I had any more paranoia, but fuck. <laughs> so I, was, I have to like color in like where I sit in a room and like yeah. where my mic goes and put you in circles. Like, your body has to stay within this, yeah. this mold. <laughs> and you can't you can't speak any louder than this. Yeah, keep it at. We need those uh, like bars so you can actually see. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, but probably unfortunately, still, Zoom doesn't have that. For, probably um, still fuck it up. <laughs> 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 yeah so tam fix this one thanks Cheers, mate. that's it you've had a, a pretty light couple and oh, no, actually hasn't it's been editing photos ridiculously yeah 900 photos <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah i was like annoyed because there was i made folders for each individual lifter yeah and I've seen that. everyone that's uploaded them is just like oh, i'll just put them all in the group one. Fuck. All right. I'll go through and separate them all. Yeah. Um, so it's like 55 videos in there. I'm like, drag and drop, drag and drop. Some of them, you can't see the person. So you have to open it, watch the first two minutes. Oh, it's that person. Drag and drop. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was wondering how everyone got their vids up so quick. And it's because you've, you've organized them. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun morning. <laughs> you know, mate? The shit they don't tell you about online coaching. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So, it's your topic today. Yeah. Yeah. So something that uh, we've, been, we've agreed we're going to argue a little bit. Just push that. Yeah. Back a bit. Well, I kind of push it away. Yeah. Um, we're not really. Yeah. Well, it doesn't really sound we're going to argue, but anyway, I'll be upset about that. But um, there, there's just some things that are being popping up in training. And I've been seeing around the, uh, around the internet and stuff about, just like training variables that people are missing training variables that people are placing probably in too much importance and neglecting others and, and stuff like that. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity for us to just unpack uh, the training variable importance, um, even in maybe some form of hierarchy. Like I've got a hierarchy that I've kind of put out and I'm uh, it, it don't get me wrong. It's not set in stone, but I'm pretty, uh, pretty set on it uh, on just the things that just the shit that matters, you know, and, the things that matter first before we start to progress to other things. And it's probably really hard at the moment because a lot of the things that are coming out is like volume based, intensity based. Uh, there's always like these little, you know, exercise modifier stuff. And we talk about tempos and all these things. And when we, when you kind of go and look at an individual and I guess you assess what they're doing overall, like they're still not getting the, the things, the lower hanging fruit, they're not getting the things that should already be there before we take into consideration things like, you know, how hard someone can train uh, or how much they can train um, and what their potential rep modifiers and stuff look like. Like they're just missing the basics of rocking up every week regularly to execute a movement well um, under a degree of uh, intensity that's going to challenge that proficiency and they're still able to do it. And then we start to think about all of these other things um, falling suit. So um, like I was saying to you before we started, um, there's just like too many personal bests that I see that aren't the standard. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, if your personal best isn't the standard of a lift, then it kind of says a lot about either who taught you or what your standards are in terms of your training yeah. and or whoever you're representing. And it's like, I definitely don't want myself or the people that we the, who represent us to be, you know, to, to have a message where it's like, if I just lift as much as possible, it doesn't matter if it's adhered to the technique or not, that like, that's good enough. Yeah. And it's like, I'm more than happy to have a really good conversation with them saying like, Oh, we, you know, this, we just missed this and we just missed that. And if we do this, this time we'll get better, but we never sit there and just be like, yep, that's good enough. Like the amount of videos I've got on my phone that are just like, it's probably more me than them where it's just borderline, you know, yeah. I'm like, no, oh, I really want to put this up, but I'm not gonna like, yeah. you know, just because it's still not to the technique and I don't want to portray that because they yeah. sit my, my values as a trainer just sit with like, you know, you have to be proficient in the movement and you have to pick a load that challenges that proficiency and be able to execute it well. And then we're good. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. That's one of the hardest parts of, um, from an individual standpoint of this prep, um, bringing these guys through APU was like seeing lifts that weren't perfect. Cause it's like in normal training circumstances, it's like, just back it off a little bit and keep these variables. But like, there's a, there's a part particularly in powerlifting of like, you just have to learn how to do a single. You just have to learn that. And you're going to fuck it up. And I guess the, um, the good thing is like to not just post your perfect reps. I think that's like the, the message a lot of people will, will talk about, but it's identifying that like, Hey, this wasn't that good. <laughs> um, this needs work or whatever. Like sometimes you have to break a lift to find out what it needs. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you just have to go to a place with a weight that you've not done before to identify what those weaknesses are, what your defaults are. Cause that's where, where you probably default to at comp. Um, I think uh, Thomas Lilly from zero, um, he runs peak speak. If you guys want to listen to another good powerlifting podcast um another powerlifting podcast another the first one another one what's the first what's the first powerlifting we we dabble in the the powerlifting (laughs) space slowly turning it into a powerlifting podcast (laughs) (laughs) when did he seeds well yeah so he basically um similar to like what we talk about with business you'll default to your systems um with lifting you will default to the average of your lifts throughout your prep so it's that same kind of idea testing that finding it out and and as a coach like you said you have this standard of like it needs to be perfect because if you're training your triples and building volume and training exercise execution it should be perfect like 99.9 percent of the time um that point one percent is sometimes when you're trying to stretch and see what weights and stuff are and like those videos were going up and stuff and it's like oh that needs that that needs to be coached there but we'll it's like <laughs> yeah it's like at the end of the day if we hadn't gone there we don't see it so we need to learn it but it's the awareness and not like posting uh i put up my deadlifts yesterday and like the first thing i wrote was like it was pretty sloppy but it was a pr i'll take it go away and know what i need to work on yeah so yeah i think that's an in- important thing to distinguish is just like the intent 
behind it as well. And I think the people you're more talking about for those that are out there thinking like, well, I post imperfect videos sometimes. It's like, do you give yourself a gold medal for it? Like, are you putting it up on the gram? Like, yes, I lifted this and it was fucking unreal when it doesn't meet the rules of the lift. Yeah. And that's the gripe. It's like, if you unpack something afterwards and it's like, Oh, this is what I need to work on to continue to improve the movement. Then it's like, you're still sending the right message. Mm. And like, obviously we can take things too far. Like I don't want to be one of those people that's like, you know, your client does something. They look back at you all the time. Like, am I doing it right? You know, like, cause you're just like micromanaging it yeah. and just like, you know, fucking what muscle fibers in their neck are, you know, <laughs> contracting just to make sure they can put themselves in the right spot. But like, yeah, it's just knowing what the, the standard is again going and meeting it is, is, is the issue is like, there's just too much going out at the moment. It's like the problem is that the, they have an audience and that sets the standard for that, that uh, audience. And then they have an audience and that sets the standard. And all of a sudden it's like, you've got this huge chain of reaction of people just because someone doesn't really understand like what the, prof- how, how to be proficient in a particular movement or multiple yeah. Um, and then portray that to, to the world. Cause that's what we do now. So part of our goal, which is those 1 million positive outcomes mm. that we're trying to change that and raise the standard and be like, yep, this is, this was good, but X, Y, and Z, or it was just like, you hit the technique and um, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where the idea of that 1 million outcomes comes from, isn't it? It's like that ripple effect of you want to ripple up or you want to ripple down. So like you can come out and say, or um, I had a conversation. I had my first argument on Instagram for the year, the other day, but it wasn't on public. It was in the DMs. Um, it's like you can go out and post stuff that maybe you have, or you haven't really thought through that. Like you said, reaches people with a particular message that may or may not be correct. It's going to affect other people's decisions, going to affect the conversations they have with other people. And that would be like a downward ripple. Whereas like learning something, um, investigating and understanding it and then being able to share that with other people that's a positive thing is an upward ripple as well that's going to spread out to more people, which improves the standard across the board. Yeah. So you've got your um, little pyramid graphic um, that we have that no one else can see. Um, like if they tune into my Instagram. Yes, it is on my Instagram. Instagram wall, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at the bottom of the pyramid, we have oh, consistency. Consistency. Yeah. So I guess it's not um, it's not obvious that consistency is going to be down the bottom. Well, sorry, it's not. Un- no, it is. It's no surprise. Yeah. Sorry. My That's bad, better. guys. That uh, that late wake up call is really coming back. To it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a backstory to that. But, um, so consistency is always going to be that kind of underlying uh, foundational uh, variable that we're we're going to put before everything else. Because if you're not rocking up regularly, you know that repeated effort over time, you know consistent stimuli, um, consistent effort, then we're not going to get the the adaptations that we would like to achieve. Now. I kind of unpacked this a little bit a couple of days ago. Sometimes consistency doesn't happen because there's, there's not like certain structures, certain mechanisms in place at the time 
to reinforce like that those long-term outcomes. Because when you look at it, like training, when we immediately train, like how things may be a little bit different, but even then it's not, I guess, because you go into the gym and you want to be stronger and you want to increase your strength for your 1RM. If I want to go in and build bigger triceps, which is like what I've been trying to do forever now, um, <laughs> and calves, your immediate workout isn't going to give you an immediate result. And if we look at like behaviors and how humans tend to respond to behaviors in terms of repetitive action, we like rewards. Like we like to have a reward for our action. And that's why if you think about the way we behave now and with all the things that we do, we, we tend to trend towards things that have immediate reward. We do them a lot. And it's funny because the things that usually give you immediate reward probably the things that you don't really, we shouldn't really do that much. Like, you know, we scan Facebook and the reward for that is like this intense, like information overload, play video games, like even on your phones, why they're so popular in the app stores because you just get this instant reward from them. Um, but when we look at like a workout, like if I work at, look at how I'm going to get bigger triceps, like that one set of 12 on those press downs isn't giving, isn't getting me bigger triceps. It's, the 20, 20 sets a week of direct and indirect work over six weeks and then having a break and then doing it again yep. is going to be what's getting me the, the result I want. Now, where I'm going with this is that because we don't have a instant reward for that, we need to have something else that gives us a similar reward. And this is where things like managing a program hmm. and having KPIs and having a check-in and having communication with someone who either takes care of your coaching for you or is just in the circle of your accountability group to go, well, you know, I hit five out of five sessions this week. So the, that's a, the reward of that is either someone saying that's great, well done, mm -hmm. or it's like you tick a box and it turns green or something along those lines. It's reviewing your performance from one session to another. The reward of that is you identify that you beat yourself. Yep. You know, from the weeks before. So if we reinforce all of these things with these positive uh, rewards, all of a sudden it's not an accident that the consistency gets better, you know, and, and I guess it's easy to sit there and say, Oh, well you need to be consistent, Ben, like you need to turn up, right? You need to hustle and grind and all that kind of shit. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if someone's not coming in and if someone's not getting things done, it's not always like a motivational psychological thing. It's not like, well, you're just not dedicated enough and you need to stop running off motivation. Sometimes it can be the things that are in place aren't reinforcing the behaviors that I need to do. Yeah. So I need to strip that back and have a look at that. Um, and then the other thing that I impact was um, that the plan might be shit, you know, and the person doesn't believe in it. Yeah. And that can get in the way of consistency as well. It's like, if you put a plan together and I don't believe in that plan, like the likelihood of me getting there is pretty low. Yeah. And I think um, that's where I was going to kind of go with that too. It's a lot of it comes down to what your expectations are in terms of rewards too. Yeah. Um, like who, how often do you see people like, that aren't necessarily totally happy with their results. They're not losing weight fast enough. They want, changes to their nutrition or program or can we add cardio? Can we do this? Can we do that? And it's like, well, um, 
let's look at the data and here's the outcomes that you've got already. Yep. Like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. And it's like, so what, like what outcome would you actually be happy with? Um, and it's like, oh, well, I, I want to lose twice as much as that per week. It's like, okay, that would require you to do this. It's like, oh yeah, no, nah, fuck that. <laughs> so I think having a really clear, like you said, those KPIs need to be really clear in terms of the process. Mm. And then also the KPIs of an outcome need to be clear as well. Yeah. So then, because if you have a miss, a misalignment of what process you're following in terms of how it will contribute to the outcome, that's going to be really demotivating to show up every week and not get an outcome that you expect based on the fact that you expect your expectations were maybe not aligned with the process. Yeah, I agree. And like, I guess what it, what it avoids as well is like the, I guess the consistency thing people tend to, it's a, a certain demographic in my opinion that fall into that. Like I, and I, I engage with them a lot. Mm. You know, I go to the gym um, and I train at other places and you know, like people chat and they conversate and uh, you know, it's good to be honest. Cause I guess, from my end, everyone says I'm fucking really intimidating and shit. And I'm like, well, people are talking to me. I must be fucking doing something right. Cause I yeah. don't know them. Yeah. And, but like, usually like, unfortunately, like I'm analyzing what they're saying to me because that's, I'm a fixer. Yeah. And, Cause we only talk about training. Right. And it's like said person doesn't have a program. So it doesn't have a set uh, structure of like what their week should look like. Doesn't know how many workouts they're going to do that week. Doesn't know how their workouts are going to go. Yeah. And then they do that for two or three weeks. The next time I bump into them, it's like, Oh, you know, Oh, I just couldn't be bothered, bro. Just mm. took last week off, man. You know, this week I'm going to shock the muscle and you know, I'm going to switch things up and whatever. And I'm like, I'll go two weeks time. And then I'll talk to that person again. It's like, Oh, this is my first workout this week. So like, bro, it's fucking Wednesday. Like, what do you mean? Like, you know, and it's just that continuous thing where it's like things aren't in there to reinforce the consistency. Yeah. And it's the things that people undervalue the most. And Sure, there's people out there that can get away with like, you know, there's probably people like, oh, I don't have, I don't use a program and I get good results. And it's like, yeah, but you just, you just fall outside the, yeah, the curve, bro. Like you're, you're one of those people that other people probably envy. It's like, you can just do whatever and you just look great. Yeah. That doesn't mean you couldn't look even better, you know, if we did things a bit more refined. Um, but everybody else kind of needs to, needs to have these reinforcements. And then it's not an accident that's like, oh, I've trained for eight weeks straight. You know, one of my clients said it to me yesterday, no, this morning. Um, she's like, I've trained this whole block and only missed one workout. Yeah. And I was like, that's mad. And then we hit a PB deadlift this morning. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not an accident. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, like I get things get in the way and all that kind of stuff, but it's like the desire to get in and the desire to make up your sessions and you know, there's the motivation. It's not motivation. Like they just turn up like, you mm. know, even when they're tired and shit, it's like, oh, I've had a rough night, but it's still there. Yeah. Like you don't have that when you don't have a review, a review system and a check-in yeah. and someone to be accountable to at a program. Like you just don't go. Like you just, it's nested. Like you just tell yourself that that's fine. Yeah. I think it's so important to, um, like you said, kind of have that laid out plan, tie that in with reasonable expectations of an outcome. Yeah. Um, and then put those two together are going to do more for your consistency than watching Gary V every morning when you wake up. Like, 
Yeah. Um, actually had, uh, from a business standpoint, someone reach out, just be like, fucking like how many times have you heard? And, and guys that are trainers are out there. just like, Oh, no one answers the phone. Never, never get any answers. No one, no one answers when I call, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, okay, so let's look at, again, what are those expectations? You've got your plan, which was dial 10 numbers a day. Um, so we're obviously spinning off into business a little bit here, but the, the applications for this apply everywhere. So um, what's your plan for the day? It's like dial 10 numbers. Cool. Uh, how you've, how are you going with that? I've done two days and I've spoke to four people. I'm like, okay, so that's actually our expectation is 20%. So you're actually right on the money. And then you kind of break that down. It's like, if you speak to four, speak to 20%, you speak to 10 a week, you book five, five come in, you close half of those. So two to three people, you do that for 12 weeks. You got at one and a half sessions per person. You're looking at somewhere between 36 and 48 sessions in 12 weeks. And it was kind of like, Oh fuck. It's like, yeah. So don't worry about the eight people that don't answer. Yeah. But if you're in there every day, like you said, looking for that reward, which is the person answering and booking without the idea of the longer term plan and the review process, it's real hard to like yeah. not focus on the 80% of people that aren't answering. Yeah. And really the reward is the 10 out of 10 are done. Exactly. For that, for that particular individual. Yeah. Like that's the reward system. 10 out of 10 done. Tick. Yeah. I've completed it. Move on. Yep. That reinforces the behavior and the behavior is the thing that's going to get them to the outcome. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> All right. So next one I think is where we may have a, a differing opinion, but it's going to depend on how you explain it. Um, yeah, so you kind so, of touched on it earlier with exercise proficiency being yeah, the so, next most important thing. So I put proficient or proficiency as the term because um, the definition says that it's a competent or skilled, it's being competent or skilled in doing or using something. So basically now doing something. So competency comes from adhering to the technique in my opinion and being skilled is your ability to do it under every situation. Yep. Repetitive. So I thought that that particular term kind of sat well with just understanding how to do the movements and how to go, right. That's the movement. I've ticked that off and I've been able to do that for, we talk about later, like your three sets of 10 or whatever that, whatever it is and be able to execute it with a decent amount of intensity and effort. So if we don't have the proficiency there, we're essentially like, we've already kind of unpacked this a little bit, but we're like just doing like shit movement. We're going to hit our potential ceiling for adaptation very quickly. Then we start to go, well, how's the only way to improve it is to, you know, add more, do more. We get injured. All of a sudden the consistency drops off. We're back to square one. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that that's not what you thought <laughs> we can debate on it because we haven't debated yet. Yeah, I think, and I totally agree that all of that is important. Um, just anecdotally, there's too many people that train like shit that look good. Yeah. So in terms of wanting an outcome or a strong, so in terms of like getting an outcome and like the hierarchy, this is definitely, I agree. This is how I coach people. 
that for me, yeah. consistency is number one, exercise proficiency number two. Um, if you're measuring how to get an outcome hierarchy of importance, I think exercise proficiency would actually move up the pyramid to a lesser yeah. important position just because like there's the chick with the booty that does the fucking yeah. backs on the stairmaster that still has a great butt. It's like, yeah, that's not exercise proficiency. That's just <laughs> doing enough shit and something sticks me. over time. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, we, we've always said it like that guy that walks in the gym that just like throws weights around. You're like, fuck, if I trained like that, I'd break in a day. Yeah. hundred percent. But because they've adapted to that stimulus, doesn't matter that they fucking swing their curls or mm. and, like if you go to the top end, um, like branch Warren's a perfect example of it. It's like huge outcomes, but trains just like yep. technically in terms of his exercise proficiency really, really poorly. Yeah. Um, and it probably took 30 years to actually catch up with him. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, there's a heap of people out there that will sit outside like, I guess when you think about the message that you want to send, um, I'm not going to send uh, just work hard and no matter what you do, uh, you'll get there because there's a lot of people that won't and there's a lot of people that hurt themselves along the way. Yeah. So I guess like out of the hundred people that would take the, the work ethic mindset, like how many would survive um, and how many would not be able to rely on proficiency and still get there? Yeah. It's probably not a lot. Um, and then even then it's like of those people that are great or good, sorry, how great could they be if they adhered to proficiency? So as a professional, like, um, we're always going to probably go with the, them learning and being competent and skill first. Yeah. If you're anything under a high responder, um, not yeah. being proficient in exercise is going to yeah. hinder your progress. Yeah. And even and just it, like, it might not for the first six months, but it will eventually you'll either get hurt or you just stop getting better. Yeah. And you want to be able to like trip over a bag and not getting into your car and not tear your quad off the bone <laughs> or like fall off a fucking horse or something or whatever he did. And like tear his adductor in half or some shit. So yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, sure. He got Shout the outcome. Branch. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't come after me, bro. Like, fuck, he seems like a pretty good shot too. He likes, uh, likes yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate. I've got an autographed uh, poster, so please don't hurt me. Yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> um but yeah it's it's like at what cost is the is like the not taking the the proficiency that high and going with the output like there's not many people out there that can survive in in my opinion yeah i think what we've got here is the ultimate in my yeah the way the way to work and yeah yeah it's the ultimate layering system of coaching Yes. Um, so we talk about different responders and some people like we refer to as robots and you can give everything day one and they'll just go out and execute. And then you've got other people that you need to build in layers. Um, so if you've got someone who hasn't exercised for 10, 15 years, typically layering habits is far better than just like, here, go and do all of this. Because yeah. um, I'll either, if they survive at all, they'll last 12 to six weeks, uh, sorry, 12 to six months, yeah. 12 weeks to six months got there so um and then they'll (laughs) and then they'll just drop off because it's like it's too intense so build that layer of consistency um now we're teaching you to actually execute really well to give you the best chance of longevity um now once you've got that down pat next one that we've got here on the um pyramid is intensity and effort because you can't just consistently execute really well without pushing yourself 
Yeah, and it's the pink dumbbell crew, I guess, against the, you know, like you've got to max out every uh, every set kind of um, debate now, where it's like sure adhering to the technique and trying to maximize, like we'll talk about from maybe physique development at the moment, like um, yeah, you got the pink dumbbell crew guys trying to like maximize tension and make things subjectively hard. And then you got the dudes out there that are just putting in maximum effort, mm-hmm. just like literally just, you know, grinding away at movements to, you know, and doing that repetitively or for as long as they can, they can do it. Yeah. So there's a degree of like intensity and effort that has to come now to drive the adaptations that we want. And it depends on the goal and the mode of training that you embark in as well, because like some movements don't require like that much. Like they inquire, they require effort, but not maximal effort. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at, you know, like, uh, uh, like Ollie lifting when you're learning, not when you're expressing. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to be able to do a hundred percent effort to, you know, adhere to the technique and all those things. So you kind of, yeah. you know, um, even like learning your squat bench and deadlift, like, mm-hmm. you know, and even doing them, like sometimes like it later in the week, it's like not as, not as intense, not, there's not as much effort or well, the effort in, is, is there. The intensity is probably not. Yeah. Um, and then, but don't get me wrong, that flips real quick as well, or that, that intensity and that effort go you know, skyrocket. And I just think like in, well, from a physique perspective as well, like there's people out there that stop mm. eight, eight, nine reps shy of like four reps in reserve. So that's 12 reps yeah. in reserve, you know what I mean? It's like, why'd you stop? Oh, it hurts. It's like, yeah. no, it doesn't hurt, keep going. And then yeah. next thing you know, it's like they're 10 reps deep, before they, you know, uh, after they were going to stop. And it's like, you just did an extra 10 reps. So you yeah. just got, just got in your head and you wanted to stop. Yeah. It's like achieving those like extraordinary outcomes in the gym, like takes effort. It takes knowing your limits. It takes being able to push hard and, you know, be able to do that repetitively. It's just, there's a fine line. There's a fine line where the effort is that hard that the proficiency drops or that the effort is that sustained that it burns you out. And that's where, yeah, we'll talk about it later. It's where we, we then have to consider the volume and frequency debate. And I believe that it's based off intensity and effort. Yeah. And that's what the coach needs to marry up. Um, but we'll, without skipping one, we'll, we'll talk about that volume and, <laughs> and frequency after this. But yeah. if, you train, if you don't train hard enough, like, you ain't going to get good results. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And Ed, I put up that post the other day about like a, a really simple example of this for people is like the Stairmaster thing. It's like all that's really doing is increasing fatigue without giving you an outcome because the intense as, as much as even the effort might be there. Cause it's hard. The intensity is not, it's not going to, how many people do you know that just like just did the Stairmaster and got big legs? Yeah. Like no one. Cause it's not, the intensity is not there. You can go in and do as much volume, frequency, whatever you like, but you're not going to reach a place where you need to, to get progress. Um, and yeah, just being able to retest those limits all the time is really important too. Not just like, and again, it comes back to the, the same things we talked about in the consistency stuff. It's like having a program allows you to see what you did last time. Um, so it makes it a challenge. Like even weeks that you walk into the gym, like, Oh, I don't really feel that good today. 
But that number on the program says I did 100 last week and I need to do 102.5 this week. Like, fuck, all right. Big boy pants on, let's do it. Yeah, almost um, consistency breeds the effort. Yeah, whereas yeah. if you just like, oh, I think I did this last week, but I'm not really sure. So I'll just yeah. kind of try that and see how it feels this week. It's like, what what, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like auto, continuous auto-regulation without having a standard. Yeah. So you just, but all you're doing is auto-regulating to how you feel at that given time. So that yeah. doesn't mean that that's more, you wouldn't even know if that's more or less than your, your maximum potential. So it's hard to draw a line in, you know, whether you're making progress or not. Yeah. And that's it. We, we use, again, all of this is like in that gray minutia. It's like we use auto-regulation as a tool, yeah. but it's like, you can't just go off. I feel tired today. It's like, yeah. that's not yeah. regulation. It's like, how many could you have actually done? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, if you're going to use RPE or RR or whatever, it's like, how, how many reps could you have actually done? I put a thousand dollars on that platform. How many more reps are you doing? Yeah. That, that stay within that technique. It's like, oh, I don't know. If you put a grand down there, it's like 10. It's like, okay. So why are we playing? Like, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah. So then the next one, which stuff for a little bit of debate, if I'm being very honest, like I, even I stared at it for a while and I was like, does this go here now? Like, you know, <laughs> does it? But yeah, I put exercise selection as the training variable that comes after effort and intensity. And it's more just because I had to embody every activity and every practice and every goal it wasn't just about physique sport. So I guess when we talk about physique sport, um, <laughs> physique and air quotes sport, um, <laughs> I probably would have moved this up above. Like I put, a, I would have put volume and frequency down and moved um, exercise selection up. Um, but when I, talk, I thought about it, well, there's movement specific sports. There's, you know, powerlifting, there's ollie lifting. We've got, strong, strong man, strong woman, which I would just like to call strong person. I think it's just easier. Yeah. Um, but anyway, strong strength women. sports. Yeah. Just, you know, strong people sports. Um, <laughs> sports they're referred to as Jason. Yeah. CrossFit. Yeah. Like all of those things are starting to become like, they're very specific movement stuff. Like, you know, so if I gave someone like leg extensions and they were a CrossFitter, um, and they weren't in like a hypertrophy phase or something, even, you know, it's like this, that's irrelevant. Or if I gave, um, if I gave Ben, uh, for a strength block, like, you know, 16 weeks out from comp, um, and I gave you like, you know, Swiss ball fucking squats or some shit. Like, you know, that, that's where, that's where I was coming from. Uh, when I put this there. Yeah. It's almost like unlearning what you accept as normal. Yes. Then revisit this and look at, okay. So in my mind, I was like, mm, I probably would have still put exercise selection after volume frequency yeah. for powerlifting, but that's assuming that you still you know, move. Yeah. You know what the, but you, you know what the exercise selection can be. Yeah. Yeah. So, where if like you think of it from a beginner, like if you're getting it right, you're sorry. Dean, sorry. There you go. No, you go. Um, we could almost, redefine that as exercise and I can never say this word. I'm going to trip over it. Um, the specific exercise specificity, um, with the intensive, like, yeah, is with the intent of like, okay, why are you doing that exercise rather than, um, it needs to carry over to the end goal. Yeah. Not something like exercise selection being the difference between selecting, a cable curl and a machine curl. 
no no sense. not at all yeah, yeah so the the specific specificity is that yeah maybe no that specificity? Was, that's what i said but it's wrong specificity is it specificity anyway that's what we're that's what we're going with you're, 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 you've done me bro you've done me <laughs> so that that slash selection being specific with your exercises <laughs> being specific with selecting your exercises yes that's it. there we go um is super important because you're then going to uh if you know that person's consistent and you know they can um be proficient in those um movements and you know they have the relevant effort to get the outcome they want you're then going to select these movements that are, you know, fall within their goal and their training mode. And then that's when after that you sit there and start to allocate the work. Yeah. You know, so that, that was my thought process on it. Um, yeah. I can is that, that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you're a powerlifter and you're doing, um, fluff and buff sesh. Yeah. All of your leg work is leg extensions, hamstring curls. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's a, there's a point where you actually need to do the lifts. Mm. Um, so you could probably add like uh, exercise variation or something like that or manipulation because variation is obviously going to be changing between different lifts. So maybe like manipulation goes up with that, the, the, the very top, um, yeah. which we'll talk about a bit later and we'll refer back to this. Yeah. So I guess like as a general umbrella, it's probably a good place. Um, I still, I still subscribe to it for like physique development too. Like I know at the moment there's, you know, the, the, you know, one study came out just saying that like the variation didn't really matter. And, you know, they kind of just selected movements and one group got the same hypertrophy as the other. Um, yeah. I haven't dug any deeper than that though. Like, cause I really would like to see what, like if the training groups were beginners and if they, or they, were they trained? Um, cause I really think that that has a lot to do with yeah that adaptation. Like, you know, you kind of, can do fucking whatever you want when you first start and you still get gains. That's why yeah. people take it for granted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just kind of feel like at some point it's funny because it, they kind of both, you kind of, I feel like at some point they, you both end up at the same place. Like at the start, you can do whatever the hell you want mm. and you get results. But when you're super, super trained, you're kind of that good at everything you do that mm. you can, you can do the same thing, you know? And I guess yeah. like, like this is for physics sports, not, Oh, sorry for bodybuilding not yeah. physics sports. There's no such thing. Um, but yeah, for bodybuilding, it's like, that's, that's kind of what, where you end up is like, you're that good at everything you touched that you yeah. work to within a proximity of failure. That's going to give you enough stimulus to either keep or drive the adaptations that you want. So yeah. when you look at it, the best people in the world, which I guess at the end of the day are, are a good gauge and I'm always going to success always leaves clues. Yeah. It's like, they don't, they're not sitting there like logging their programs and stuff like that, but that's like 35 years of training. Hmm. to you know just take your set make every rep matter to like total you know task action destruction of a muscle you know what i mean like so it's not it's not the same thing you know what i mean so yeah. i'd just like to know and i'll have to dig deep i just haven't had a chance at the moment because i was sick yeah i was a bit unwell <laughs> um as you guys know and um just see like what where the yeah like the control groups like what were they trained were they intermediates whatever because that's yeah. got a big big thing uh sorry that plays a big role in my opinion i'm just thinking like the process of sitting down and writing a program which would come first um so typically i'll go with like an outline of what i want the program to look like 
And usually I'll, as you guys are probably aware, we go off the volume score uh, or the recovery score, create the volume, plug in the exercises and stuff. And then there is still a consideration of volume in terms of like reps. Uh, reps are selected based on the exercise. And then um, the what happens late in a session is determined by what happened earlier in the session. Like if I start you off with a um, machine press, then I'm happy to drill you for the rest of that session. If I yeah. start you off with a bench press, that's a little bit more taxing. So I'm going to lean towards less technical movements as we go, that type of thing. Um, exercises that have a higher recovery profile are going to affect the volume and the frequency of the program itself. Yeah. Um, and then putting in, say, for example, in a, in a physique style program, if I'm putting in some kind of heavy squat pattern early on in the week, the likelihood that I'm going to choose something uh, technically easier and with a lower recovery, like systemic recovery demand later in the week is pretty high. So from that standpoint of this, like how I'm going to put together a program they're overlapped a little bit, but primarily that exercise selection is going to determine how much you do of what. Yeah. And I got, if you notice, like I actually haven't put set, uh, reps in here at all. Cause like I haven't, when we talk about program design, like the reps are important and sometimes you can select rep ranges to train either you know, like a specific um, energy system that gives you a specific goal. Like, you know, if you were, trying to drive weight loss, maybe you would, you know, move those rep ranges up and you would challenge things a bit more anaerobically or even aerobically, depending on how long those sets go for. If you did like, you know, four exercises in a row, yeah, something like that. Um, so I haven't put this, the rep speci specifically in there just for that. Cause I thought that if we just consider these things for a person um, entering the gym, um, then we can, you can almost dive a little bit deeper and go, well, you know, these, these rep ranges do this for this person and rep ranges really do rep ranges and exercise selection make a program. Yeah. Like when you think about it, it's either you're selecting rep ranges to do a specific thing or you're selecting an exercise because you need that person to be good at that exercise. And then you're potentially putting in rep ranges that sit well with said movement Yeah, because there's almost like an individual rep range for each exercise and it's got to do with how technical it is, the mechanical advantage of the exercise experience in the athlete strength of the athlete. Yeah. Strength of the athlete, you know, level of proficiency as well. Yep. Like, you know, you've of individual proficiency. So we have to, you know, kind of frame and profile that as the coach and, and make something that's a little specific to that particular client. Mm -hmm. You know, when we, when we consider those things. So, yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I think even just looking back over our own evolutions, the volume, um, messing with volume to the, the finite degree that we do now, we've only done for two to three years. Yes. And we got results before that. So were we accidentally putting the correct volume down all the time or was consistency, proficiency, intensity and exercise selection enough to get positive outcomes most of the time. Yeah. And that's, so I guess that's where you, no matter what, everyone can't get hung up on 
the newest thing. Hmm. Because at the end of the day, like if you adhere to some of the, like the things that really matter, it's like you will get results. Yep. You know, you just have to then be able to decipher whether this new thing that's coming out or this, you know, they're highlighting this part of the research right now. Does that kind of challenge what you're currently doing? And could you, could you adapt yep. and make your current system better? Yeah, you know, and that's essentially what we did. It's like this is a hole that we haven't filled yet, and we I we believe we should fill it, yeah. and we did. And then we almost went back to we almost went back backwards in this pyramid and went the intensity and the effort is an issue because yeah. people are either doing too much yeah or too little yeah. So the, it wasn't like it wasn't there; it was there, but it was like sometimes it's getting to we're biting off and all or we're not getting enough. So we, we fixed that. Yeah. And so I, I think at all times, like even once we go through this and everyone goes off and, you know, hopefully they don't take our word as gospel, but hopefully it just intrigues them to think better. Yeah. And they go, Oh, what about this? And what about that? And, you know, maybe I, I reckon Jason was talking shit when he said this, so I don't believe this. So, you know, <laughs> like he said that it wasn't obvious that consistency is that. And it is, and blah, yeah. blah, you know, like, um, it's really here to just spark some really, really good conversation. So I think um, the biggest part that we were able to take from a, a really deliberate measured approach to volume was it allowed you to make adjustments for the variance in the individual's intensity and effort. Yeah. So if you had a person who was likely to overshoot every session, adjusting their volume kind of pulled them back into a, an area that they recover in. And if you had someone that was not really pushing to the limits that they should be, you could just increase volume to the point where it's like, you're going to get some results anyway. You just got to be in the gym five hours a week. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Or more. laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, really cool. And then, like you said, we started to adapt percentage training with rep and reserve training to cover both ends of that, um, which allowed us, yeah, like you said, to, evolve our whole training paradigm and that's what you want to do yep. you don't have to follow our system but you just want to look at okay what what are the variables that are other people are considering and does my programming do that yes and then i guess that leads on perfectly to like the next you know we kind of have overlapped a lot of these things so we're talking about um volume and frequency like actual applications for work now mm -hmm. and even though we talk about the system that we've got and our like our system for programming and prescribing volume and work and stuff, um, there's still nuances within that because we have to think about the the athlete and how they train, and then go right. Let's adapt this person to our system, or our system adapts to that person. Mm -hmm. And I think that at the moment, with the with all the discussions, we'll call them that are coming out in the in the social media space with all these people at the forefront of either training or the research or a combination of both. Um, it's really this debate of like, you know, how much volume do you need? And, you know, you should do this many sets a week and, you know, you should do this many and you should train within this rep and reserve and you should never go to failure and all these things. So it actually starts to get really, really confusing. Yep. And I think, <clears throat> I can't remember where it was, but I found it like it was a really cool infograph and basically in a nutshell, it was like, if you train with maximal intent and maximum effort, you essentially 
don't do as much work. Yeah. And you need to deload sooner. Yeah. If you want to train with in four reps of failure, that is totally fine. However, to accumulate the amount of stimulus that you wouldn't be getting because you're not taking yourself to complete failure and maximizing as much weight as you could do, you have to do more. Yeah. So it's the, it's the accumulation of effort that is going to get you this, a similar stimulus that if someone did less work, but max maximize their, their effort mm -hmm. would get now that's going to work for, you know, like the going balls to wall is going to work for someone like branch Warren, for example. Yeah. Except he just liked to do lots as well. Yeah. But we'll just forget that part at the moment. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe, maybe Dorian's a better example. Yeah. Dorian. Yeah. That's right. So it's just like he was maximizing every millisecond of a rep. So those that aren't familiar maybe with Dorian Yates, basically he had a one set method. So he just worked up to one absolute balls one out set. set. And then that was, he's, it might take him five sets to get there, but the last set was leave it on the floor and then go to the next exercise. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then you've got, I guess at, in, in my space where I'm looking like Mike and RP are probably, you know, working, excuse me, working with the rep and reserve where it's like, you know, you can work within say maybe one to two reps of failure, do a sufficient amount of volume to accrue the stimulus to get these adaptations on the muscle that we want. And yep. I guess now there's, you know, people are diving into it research wise and saying, Oh, well this, the, the group that didn't go to failure didn't get as good at gains as the group that also the group that went to failure didn't get as many, as much gains as the group that didn't. And, you know, so we should do this. And, you know, then people are like anecdotally, like if you're not going to failure, like you're not maximizing the results. I can tell you because this is what, yeah. You know, I've achieved in my career and it, it just gets really, really confusing. So I think at some point, you know, we have to just understand like if they're both there, if they're both things in the room, it's like, have a look who's there and, yeah. and, and use them both yeah. right now and just know when to use them. Yeah. I think the, and, and yeah, that's when to use them is the most important part. Um, I think the rep and reserve model of that kind of, one to four where you're not really maxing out very often is more conducive to um i hate calling them weekend warriors because it's it's disrespectful but like people that still have a, a normal life right that have external stresses we talk about summer stress and stuff all the time if you got a job and family and social life and all of that stuff which we've covered in other episodes you have a varied day-to-day -day varied recovery capacity so training between four to one gives you a window of, of whoops. Whereas training to complete failure all the time, you kind of need a lifestyle. I personally think that's conducive to that. Oh yeah. Um, and, and like you ask all the guys, like what's a powerlifting meet? You did two warm-up sets and well, typically two warm-up sets on the platform and then an, a max effort. And you did three of those in a day and how do they all feel? for the three days afterwards, absolutely yeah. fucked, can't function. So yeah. it's like, if you not, are not in an environment where you can, A, still have a life and maintain those normal life structures, go to work, be a good partner, be a good friend, um, be creative, do all the shit that you wanna do, then maybe kind of a, a more adjustable, flexible model is a little bit more suited. Yeah. And that's like, I, 
a hundred percent believe that it's very individual. Cause I was talking to my coach about this yesterday and, um, we, we like, I almost like just requested or not even requested, told him that I wanted <laughs> like more volume for the last couple of weeks. I was like, ah, oh, it's a bit there. Like, you know, um, yeah. let's do it. Let's just get some more work in. And then I ended up getting sick and whatever. And he was awful. like, yeah, no, we, yeah, he was like, do you think that that coincided with that? And I was like, uh, who knows? But I was like, I needed more work. But I said, maybe this time, like, and we come to the, the agreement that maybe this time it's not putting more formal sets in, but just getting more work out of the last set. Yeah. Maybe within the last couple of weeks. Modifiers or something, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, there's adding modifiers, you know, leave the first four weeks. And then after the, the you know, weeks five and six, because we do six-week box, mm-hmm. just working modifiers. Um, so you're still maximizing the work that you have and then just adding a little bit more rather than like adding more work at the end that could just like spill you over. Yeah. Um, and then I was saying to him that like that would work for me because I really like to take myself to as close to that, you know, task action failure as I can when I train. So I almost like enjoy the efficient model of doing less but getting more out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the downside to that is you know kind of bend over to change a bar in the gym, and you're a bit like oh, you know yeah. you just feel a bit bit fatigued, and you got to make sure you sleep well and all those kind of things. But I wouldn't train my clients like that. Yeah, well, not does, all of yeah. them. I would train, and I said that to him. I said. <laughs> I would, I always take the volume and record and reserve model for my clients, but I don't for myself. I'm literally like a bull at a fucking red blanket, you know, um, when I train and he, you know, he laughed because he was like, I feel like I'm talking to myself, <laughs> but it's only because, you know, you've got that ability to you know, auto-regulate yourself like very well. Like I, I, I know how I feel when I train and I've done this for a very long time and I know what I'm yeah. capable of. And sometimes I get carried away. Like we all know that, but when you're taking care of other people, I've got a few that I can push like that, mm. but it's only because they're very skilled. Yeah. You know, and their training age is, is quite high. Yeah. So I know that they'll pull back if they need to and they'll say, Oh look, man, I'm feeling a bit, a bit under the weather this week. Like, yeah. so I'm just going to drop things back. So you kind of just need to know who the person is and how to do it. Or there's just some that just do a bullet a gate and it's just not worth it for what yeah. they want. You know, like if you're a power lifter, uh, I don't know if like abiding overbiting on, on load is worth it. Cause it just seems to shoot them in the foot, yeah. you know, much sooner than a physique uh, based or physique goal orientated person. Yeah, man. It takes one, one or two workouts to not want to go to the gym. Yeah. Like you know, that first sign of fatigue is like not wanting to go train. Like when you're not rested, it's like, it takes, like it doesn't take long. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, and my coach obviously just, we work in three meso blocks, four week mesos. Um, and at the end of that, it's like, that's the intensity kind of peaks at the end of each meso or yeah. either volume or intensity or both. But then the end of that third one is like, all right, this week you're dropping the fucking hammer. Um, it just sucked that it coincided with the APU <laughs> and a 14 hour day at comp. But it's like this week I was resigned to the fact that I was going to be tired and hurting. Because yeah. I like took my bench for, uh, I think my opener I took for four, uh, my second attempt on the deadlift I took for three, and I'm not squatting at the moment. So it's like 
I cooked this week, but I was prepared for it. And it's, it's having that awareness as a client to be like, okay, I've got to send this person to their office job and home to their two kids. Can I do that to them? And what benefit do they get out of it from me doing it? <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas we do the liftoffs and stuff and it's like, okay, this last four to six weeks, so <laughs> yeah. be, be ready. It's coming. Um, and it just sort of, it is what it is. And it's an accepted part of the process. It's just not something that you can dip your toe in once a week. No, no, that's right. And then, and the, uh, the goal permitted it. Yeah. So yeah, because to, the, the, out, the outcome is worthwhile then. Cause it's like, yeah. you get to put a number on the platform, but does, does maxing out four months out from competition or in some cases, fucking three days after a competition, does that actually benefit your next time on the competition? The answer is probably no. So why are you doing it? Yep. Agreed. So the last one to wrap up the uh, pyramid is uh, rest tempo and session duration. So I put them in there cause they're things that people consider a lot. And I guess for, for newer uh, trainees, uh, they probably go to that part first. You know, they think about how long they've been in the gym. It's like, Hey, I trained for two yeah. hours today or I've been here for two and a half hours. Like I've even seen people who train, who train forever. And, um, yeah, like it's probably more, more your jaw clapping than it was working out. But it just, I feel like it depends who you train with. You it wasn't, know what I mean? wasn't much, uh, effective work done after the top set of the deadlifts. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, I, and then the tempo, which is a quite dubious, I guess, depending on who you speak to a lot of people that subscribe religiously to tempo, then there's people that will pre- prescribe it for a specific intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's people that I guess disregard it altogether. Um, and then yeah, like rest period obviously is always going to be a variable that we need to consider, um, depending on what, type of reps and what the goal is. So I acted it on the top because it has to be there. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on rest? Yeah, I think session duration. Um, session duration out of those would come first for me. So it's like, if I have the same kind of thing, if I have a person that has a life and says to me, Hey, I can only be in the gym for an hour. There's no point writing programs go for an hour and a half. Yep. Um, so then it's like, okay, well, if you can only be there for an hour and we go down the, pyramid it's like i know volume is important yep so i need to get the same volume into a shorter period of time which means i'm going to manipulate rest and i'm going to manipulate potentially exercise selection but they're going to stay the same i've just got to be a bit smarter about it yeah it's like okay you can only be there for an hour that means you're going to do uh your bent over rows paired with your bench press yeah and your rest period between those two is only going to be two to three minutes, not five. Hmm. And you're still going to do the same volume. I have people say to me all the time, like, Oh, um, can I train five days a week? Like, I feel like I could do more. It's like, to be honest, your volume is going to be exactly the same. You just have shorter workouts. Yeah. That's up to you. They're like, Oh, okay. I'm like, I like from a time standpoint, you don't have to do a 20 minute warm up on that fifth day. So yeah. you actually have less time in the gym for the same out, same amount of work done. And they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, let's just do four. Um, and that works for some people and other people are like, no, I, I just need to be in and out because I train before work, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So, conversations we have all the time. Yeah. It's like adherence is number one consistency down the bottom. 
I think session duration kind of plugs into that. If you're sitting down to write the best program for someone, session duration is a very low on the hierarchy of importance. However, if it affects consistency, it then becomes very high on the hierarchy of importance. Yep. Agreed. Yep. So um, I'll, I'll open the can. So talking about tempo. Yep. So where I stand with tempo now is we, there needs to be some form of tempo to ensure that the movement is controlled, has a degree of control for most of the time, yep. depending on the movement. But outside of that, you're selecting a tempo for a reason. There's no, it's not like the standard, you know, like four second rep or whatever. It's like, you know, three, one, zero, one. Yeah. Um, that, that maximizes the, the gains that someone could potentially get. And if you yeah. went a second before or after that, it doesn't matter if you lifted more weight, it's like your tempo shit and you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, I, I feel I've moved more towards using tempo for uh, repriming movements with the whole like move slow, learn fast analogy. So if someone's gone through a heavy block of training and we're going to move into a strength block, I'll almost put some tempo stuff in before we go there. Yeah. And I'm like, just spend a bit more time rooting your feet into the ground, spreading the floor, keeping your torso upright and your squat. You know, just spend some time where it's hard and just have a look around and go, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Mm -hmm. If someone's injured, mm -hmm. I tend to find tempos great to manipulate uh, total load, you know, and uh, to try and take some stress off connective tissue joints, those kinds of things. I tend to find it's quite successful doing that, especially if you have access to things like cables and machines and that, you can do that quite well and quite easily. Um, but yeah, outside of those things, um, and then, you know, just some, some modifiers for hypertrophy potentially manipulating like stretch position of the muscle or your shortened position of the muscle you could potentially do but outside of that. It's like that I, I haven't been enlightened to anything else that I would use it for. Yeah. I think looking at the two methods of programming that I use day in day out. So one being physique, one being strength um, for physique if you move shit and your uh, exercise proficiency is poor, I will, could maybe use tempo for that. Yeah. Um, more often than not though, I'll probably just regress the exercise Yeah. and put you in a position that's going to improve your proficiency anyway. Um, but sometimes, yeah, tempo is a great way. just like for someone, for example, who's like, oh, I just never feel my lats. Yeah. It's like, all right, I want you to do, tempo on this exercise so you can feel it the whole way through but get your positions right and then move on to another block so that's probably the physique kind of thing yeah tempo for strength um it's a variable that you can use to reduce load to pro still produce a stimulus of training um great for improving spatial awareness and control um so like you said there will most of the guys coming out of comp will probably have some form of tempo work coming into comp i'd like to use like pause squats and stuff um i'll use that for a positioning and as the loads get heavy not cutting reps short and stuff because you're doing your pause work and you know exactly where that bottom of the hole is and you're really spatially aware to it so sometimes i'll use it there in like a peak um and then yeah coming out of that 
some of our lifters have positional things that they need to work on, um, like where the bar touch point is on their chest. It's like a great way to fix that is um, tempo work. They're also joints and functionality and all that stuff's been beat up as well. So just putting more load on the bar is dumb. So it's yep. a way to still train the skill of a movement while reducing the load while you're a long way out from comp, allowing people to fully recover, feel nice again, be able to move, get all that happening and then move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like people still throw around the time under tension thing for like hypertrophy. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure on it. I, I've, I got, look, we did the BPAC program back in the day, added tempo to my training and I put on a lot of size real quick, but then it stopped. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I think that it's just, and then at some point it was like, ah, uh, motherfucker, you need to get stronger. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, like I think there's a time and a place and that was like we said, if you, if you don't understand how to contract <clears throat> a muscle and train a muscle, then tempo is yeah. valuable there. But um, I wouldn't, put it this way, we're removing it from our templates for the online program because we don't yep. value it anymore. I think, I think where some people probably get hung up on it, I could be wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I was thinking about it on the car on the way home. This is the shit that I think about in my head when I'm driving by myself. Yep. So I'm like, do people, did, do people have an understanding at some point that tension was a major driver? So then they, then they went, okay, so if I keep that muscle under tension, the whole time, or if I feel like it's under tension the whole time, because it's like, as soon as you grab a weight, shouldn't it be, shouldn't there be tension? Yes. In a position that's going to challenge an yeah, exercise, a muscle. Position, yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Let me be more specific. Yeah. Specific. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then maybe they were like, okay, so um, we're working with tension and that muscle like has its own uh, properties that stretch passively. And then we have uh, things that move actively and combining those things is going to increase the amount of tension and that's going to drive the stimulus. So slowing the, the time down would be increasing the tension. Yeah. Right? So they thought that that was the going to be the, the Holy grail. Yeah. And maybe that they, what they missed is that the load still plays a significant role at some point to driving the tent like driving that force up and getting those muscle that muscle to challenge and and move that weight more and get that stimulus that it needs to further continue to grow yeah i don't know i just like um and i maybe misinterpreting like the relationship between uh force and velocity because like if you could do a weight super slow it means you can do it super fast as well mm -hmm. like if i contracted a uh, uh, if I did a concentric bicep curl really slowly, it also means I could move, move it very quickly, yeah. which kind of means that there's not a lot of force being applied on the muscle because the weight is too light. And, so, and at some point that weight is going to slow the movement down and that's what's going to increase the force because those cross bridges have to have the time to bind over each other and grip and yeah know kind of shorten that muscle pull it together yeah um so yeah i've kind of just tried to play that around in my head which i really need someone who's significantly smarter than me in this space <laughs> to try and explain it yeah. to me you know so i've just been playing all that shit in my head all the time i'm going is this what they thought it did 
or that it does, you know? I think that was the way it was explained to me um, when, when tempo training was the thing. Um, but then I, the first time I questioned it, it was like, yeah, but moving shit fast creates tension too. So like yeah, if you try and like lift and throw something heavy, you create tension. And we've had discussions on the podcast about like the speed of contraction actually needs to be within a certain range to create um, the binding and all that kind of stuff to get the outcome you want. But at the end of the day, if mechanical load is primarily king, my thought process would be like you're learning to use that muscle so then you can produce force with it later. Yeah. Learning to and use it may give you initially some gains just because you've never actually activated it well under tension before. So you get some progress, but it should be with an intent to make you better. It's like a booty bend. Let's use that as an example. There's, we're not doing the booty band crab walk to build your glutes. We're doing the booty band crab walk to make your hip stability better. So you squat more. It's put you in a position so you can feel your glutes. Yeah. So if you're learning to feel your lat in a lat pull down, that should make your lat pull down better, which increases mechanical load on that muscle during the actual training. So the other thing I'd be really curious about is, um, when I was writing the strength units got right into like disinhibition of muscle and stuff um, through the nervous system. Yeah. I'm very curious to know if training slowly would make you weaker because you're basically telling your body that I want you to move slowly. Move slowly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be really interested to know that too, man. If you're thinking about what happens in a one RM and this is one of one of the biggest, most common mistakes I see beginner lifters make when you try and do a one RM, you try and move that thing as fast as you fucking can, but yep. it's slow. Yep. Right? So even if your deadlift takes 10 seconds, you that 10 seconds is like the fastest in bunny years, 10 seconds that you can muster because you're trying to move that bar quick. So then what happens is people are learning their lift and working at like 60, 70% of uh, their, their potential and they move the bar slow because that's what I've seen. Yep. Um, and like you said, sometimes to teach, we want to move slow, learn fast. But I also have seen the reverse of that where you need to move fast to move more weight. And yes. you're, you're actually, you could deadlift 80 kilos, but you're only deadlifting 60 because you're doing it as fast as you saw the person on Instagram do it the person on Instagram has actually got a sufficient load that slows the movement down. So it's yes. like, let them, let the weight slow you down. If you can, if you're proficient at the exercise, let the weight slow you down, not you're consciously slowing you down because that's how fast a rep yeah. should be. Yeah. So it's just a really interesting conversation. And I guess like how far in are we? Ah, go for it. Um, if they want to turn off, they can turn off. Don't though. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, at some point, the, sp the speed, like if you are working in max and sub max loads, the weight dictates the speed. Mm -hmm. Things have to slow down. The weight has to, the movement has to slow down because you're requiring maximum force from the musculature involved. And that requires a level of speed that allows those muscle fibers to bind to each other. Yep. So if it's too fast, then the weight wasn't heavy enough. And if it's too slow, 
then you won't complete the movement. Yep. So at some point you're requiring your, all of your muscle to do what it's supposed to do, which is to connect to each other and pull each other towards you know, from origin insertion and like Z line to Z line. And that is going to be, if you're working in a true sub max to max level of strength, that's what happens. Or even at some point when you get towards task action failure in a set, yeah, it's like the speed slows down because those muscles are trying, those, those muscle fibers are trying to bind to each other. There's fatigue involved, etc. Yeah. Um, but that essentially can increase the amount of force as well at some point because the, the time drops, but the weight's still the same. Yeah. Or well, the time's manipulated, sorry, but the weight's still the same. So that's where, depending on what your outcome is, depending on what we're talking about, you start to venture off on like, you know, we've spoken about it, like how the benefits of fatigue can influence like, you know, muscle fiber recruitment and hypertrophy and all of those kind of things um, yep. as well. But yeah, it's just a fucking can of worms we won't go down today yeah it's a big thing to unpack and yeah. even just like introducing and just trying to work through this in my head so i don't fuck it up but like force equals mass time acceleration so is the intent of acceleration enough to increase force yeah well maybe i guess like at some point like if, so if, if you look at it it has to, has to, to they have to marry up they have to if you're trying to accelerate the barbell, is that creating the response that would increase force? Mass staying the same, which produces, like I said, more force. Or because the weight's heavy, you slowed down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I do. Like, yeah, I think weed. I think when you look at it mechanistically, it's like the weight dictates the speed once the person knows how to move as fast as they can yeah because the only reason why they're not moving fast now is the weight is is making their body do a specific thing which is contract every fucking muscle fiber to complete the movement yeah so coming back to the tempo discussion tempo may be useful in creating so we've got these at the top of the pyramid right so rest tempo session duration and all of them so far we've referred back to the lower pyramid items so if tempo allows you to improve your exercise proficiency then it's important and that that would be the best tool for it i believe um i think it's a tool in a box man like you use it too much yeah. and it'll 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 probably come back to hurt you yeah you know like that that even that moving slow like just learning to move slow it, 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 at some point would most likely do that just yeah. think you need to know when to apply it some people just get it too hung up on it religiously yeah they get newbie gains from it because it's like remember if you introduce something the first time you're going to respond to it yep and then you get hung up on that on that response and it's like oh that was that was the thing that really kicked me off it's like was it or did you just learn how to contract your muscles better yeah when you went back to training normal yeah like you just yeah you just got better at moving more weight through you know said rep range and you could feel your muscles better or you could just maximize that muscle for that set better yeah, again, like that kind of glued analogy. It's like, yeah, I, I do 400 bodyweight kickbacks a week. It's like, yeah, cool. Do you lunge after them? Yes. Okay, so you just inefficiently made your lunges better. Yeah. Basically. Yep. Awesome. I like it. That was fun. That was a very interesting conversation, wasn't it? Yeah.
I had just enough coffee. I'm going to go learn how to say specificity. 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 It's a shit word. So it's going to end up, it'll be, if Ben can't say it or I can't say it, we'll go, specificity. <laughs> that one. Like, no, the old, gonna... uh, like the old uh, source that we don't yeah. talk about anymore. Yeah, old wooshy. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's called wooshy now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, same with wooshy. Yeah. Uh, okay, so wrap up. What do we got going on at the moment? We've got a photo shoot in like eight weeks. Uh, we have the strong body program is open for another week if you want yep. to get involved for that. So that'll lead into our lift off if you're in Melbourne. If you're not in Melbourne, you can still get involved and we'll just do a gym test for you um, somewhere or your trainer will help you out with that. Uh, at STC Fit, if you want to inquire more about those. Um, season B competitors, I reckon we'll probably close out within the next four weeks. Um, if you are Three. interested, yeah, interested in that. Um, basically once that photo shoot comes around, we'll be starting to prep our guys. So mm. you want to be around before then. So yeah, at STC fit learning for our, all our nerdy shit, um, these kind of infographs and etc. Um, also Jason Galea underscore PC, you'll find all of those as well. Um, you'll find more pictures and, Salty comments on mine, which has been Scott Essie. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for listening. Yep. There's been a little decline in the old screenshot and tag. So shout out to everyone that used to do it. Please do it again. And if you're yeah. new to the podcast, yep. do it for us. <laughs> that would be great. Much appreciated. Awesome. All right. All thanks, right. guys. Thank you. See thanks, you next time. Thanks. Later, man.